Welcome back to Ascend Seed Ministries Anchor Podcast. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, which reads, For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him, for this is why I wrote, that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity as commissioned by God in the sight of God we speak in Christ. So as we jump in here to chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, Chad's back with us, and as we do, we're going to kind of contrast what we talked about yesterday. Yesterday we talked about comfort. Today, let's look at the reality of pain, because Paul really puts that front and center here at the beginning of this chapter as he starts talking about his relationship with the church of Corinth. And so as we think about the pain that's here and what he's talking about, what realities does that speak into our life today about the presence of pain? I think the thing about Second Corinthians, again, we're, we're really going to contrast along the way is the fact we do talk about comfort, but it's always with the pain. In fact, what's really comforting to me is the guy who's writing it doesn't have a cushy life. He actually has a lot of pain. And so there'll be more over and over. Paul will emphasize this pain that he's experienced in his life. And so here's where you find this first one where verse four, where he says, for I wrote to you out much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. And so there's going to be more things where Paul's going to attest of how he was caused by pain by the Corinthian church. But it's a really a reminder for us, like a lot of those close relationships we have in life are going to cause us pain. In fact, many times what I hear from people of why they walked away from the church is because of a certain experience where they were pain, where they felt betrayed, where they felt hurt, and now they're leaving the church. I'm like, yeah, but that's not a proper way. And you all might have friends who have caused you pain. You might have parents that have caused you pain. And as a parent, I know I've caused my children pain. And so here I am as a source of pain. And also that my children can have brought pain into my life. And it's a reminder that it shouldn't stop us from loving them in that pain. It's a reminder like we do have the gospel grace. We do have the gospel comfort to actually reconcile that relationship. And that's where Paul, I mean, 1 Corinthians, as you've uh, Lee's unpacked for you, was like, there's a lot of correction. And now it's like, Kind of the second Corinthians is trying to rebuild and remind of the confidence that they have in the relationship with each other. And uh, so I would just encourage you, like wherever you are, the pain that you're experiencing is to be right. Like 
there's comfort from God in that, but there's also ways to actually reconcile that relationship uh, and pursue it in a godly way. And uh, so we like, what's some of the things that you have seen where maybe you've seen that personal pain in your life and just how having to work through it and to actually, as this next text says, like we're called to forgive and reconcile. So what would you say? Yeah, so definitely I agree that that's huge. Uh, I think even just back into my life, thinking about the way in which uh, I, I often tell students and, and different people that I talk to, you know, the people that are the closest to us are the ones who are most likely to cause us the most true pain. And I can think back to a specific situation here within the last uh, year of my life, at least, uh, where I said something uh, as I was upset and I said it to Amy and I was like, why are you acting so stupid or why are you being an idiot? I forget exactly what I said, but it was something along that lines. Uh, and it was really hurtful to her because we don't usually speak to each other like that. And so as she reflected on that, she thought of certainly he thinks I'm stupid or he thinks I don't understand what's going on or I'm incapable of these things. And it was really painful. And you spoke on an important word there that Paul's going to really focus on as we move forward here, that concept of reconciliation. So then that relationship had now tension and it had to be brought back into right order. But until that happened, it was not comfortable to live. It was not comfortable to be in that house and to work through that. And so it's huge to understand, number one, we can cause pain to other people. And the fact that because we're believers, we're called to this forgiveness and seeking that forgiveness as well as offering that forgiveness to others. And so it's it's both sides as a Christian. We can't harbor bitterness. We can't hold on to it. We have to forgive those who come to us asking for it. And we have to go and seek those out who we've wronged to be in right relationship because if not, we're holding something and basically saying, hey, we're better than God at this because we can hold on to this sin that he might have forgiven, but we're not going to forgive. Uh, and the scriptures talk about that in other places. But I think that's just a huge thing to understand that life is messy and the people that are closest to us, yes, are going to let us down because we're all sinners saved by grace, even on our best day. And so we're all capable of saying and doing things that are very hurtful. But we need to understand that as a believer and as a child of God, we're able to extend that forgiveness because that forgiveness has been miraculously and marvelously already put on display for us and every sin that we do has already been covered. And so we might sin against one person 70 times 7, whatever we want to say in that, or even thousands of times, but we've probably sinned against maybe millions of other people. And so we need to understand that we have, even on our best day, the grace of God that covers us, just as even on our worst day, the grace of God that covers us. And so we need to rest in that truth today. And a big part of living in that truth is putting the gospel on display for other people. And so how does Paul transition us to that thought here at the end of chapter 2? You go down to verse 14 uh, through 17, and I, I really think this is a transition thing, but this is also uh, a marvelous truth that Paul gives here, because when we are considering ourselves forgiven. Because if you truly believe in Christ, if you put your faith in him, you recognize that you are a sinner and that you have no way to actually have forgiveness on your own. And so what you have to do is actually seek Christ, believe in Christ that he paid for your sin, and then you are saved by him. And so if that's something that's occurred in your life, like 14 really should be a reminder of your opportunity. 
And why do I say that? Because I think when we start in verse 14, it says, but thanks be to God, who is in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And basically what this is reminding us is that Paul is unpacking is actually a Roman victory ceremony. And so when a victory ceremony happened is that oftentimes there was a parade that went through the town that was conquered. And you could imagine like there, there's going to be mixed emotions, but that's not where you're starting off. He's reminding us like Christ is our victor. He's the one who accomplished the salvation that we could not have done on our own. And so for us as believers, what an exciting opportunity that we get to actually announce this victory, spread this victory. And it even says spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. And it's again, and he gives them 15. It's the, for we are the aroma of Christ to God. And it's just reminding like that, that's what the substance of us sharing the gospel. The reason that we can have such confidence isn't because of how it's going to be received, but it's because of what Christ has already accomplished. And so it's a bit, and for us to truly believe and hold that, that changes our life. That transforms our life. And, but it's again about Christ. It centers on Christ. It's not about what's just been done to, for our life, but it's ultimately about what he has accomplished. And so what I love about this is as we think about that, it's that we can give that truth. We can give that gospel. We can be faithful to what his word says. And we don't have to worry about convincing people because some people are going to be saved. Others are not. And it's not for us to do that work. That's God doing the work in their life. That's them, their personal responsibility, putting their trust in him. But we, what we're responsible for in whatever capacity, whatever capability, and which means sometimes you're going to stumble through a gospel opportunity. Sometimes you're just not going to think you have the right words in those moments, but just be faithful. That's, that's what I love about this is being faithful. And so I'm, I'm going to let just uh, Lee speak a little bit more to this before we get into like what that response looks like, because I think that's what you're going to have to wrestle in. But yeah, what do you think? I mean, we look at that and we're spreading the fragrance of knowledge of him everywhere. So what are some of your thoughts, Lee, about just what that actually looks like and maybe practically and how we actually do that? Yeah. So one of the first things that I think of here, even just, you know, jumping back to verse 14, like as a kid who grew up in Kansas City, we weren't winning championships when I was a kid. Like, uh, don't know if anybody knows how bad the Royals were for that season and how disappointing the Chiefs were. But hey, you look at 2015 when the Royals won the World Series, you look at the success that the Chiefs have, you see the passion of those fans in that moment. You look back down to uh, downtown and just you've seen the pictures of just thousands of people decked out in their regalia celebrating in the joy that they have for that is something that I want to start with when we think about that fragrance of life. And so when we think about the fragrance of life, another one of those things that's a word that, you know, maybe everybody has their own concept of like comfort is joy. What is joy? And so you see the joy for those people in 2015. Those same people are probably really upset with the state of the Royals right now. And what's changed? Circumstance. What hasn't changed, probably, hopefully, is their loyalty, their desire to see what's best there. And so when we think about joy, it's not really built on our circumstance, but when we are excited about what God is doing in our midst, whether that is him challenging us, whether that is him working through something difficult in our life, or whether that's a season of blessing, when we're constantly seen as being somebody who's excited, passionate, joyful with what God is doing in their life— 
that really communicates to a watching world. And so you meet those people who are willing to and able to transition whatever is going on in their life into a conversation about how God is so good. And then, so I remember I had a friend, his name was Matt, and he used to always say, you know, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And so anytime he heard somebody say something like that, he would bring us back to that. And so whether Matt was struggling or whether it was a great day for Matt, he really wanted people to know that all the time God is good. And so it's one of those things where we focus not on our circumstance, but on God in that situation. And that's just different because the world around us wants to say, no, these people are wronging me. They should be punished. They need justice or they need punishment brought to them. Or, A, this is not fair in my life. Why didn't this happen to somebody else? Or why are these people being mean to me? And so we're just naturally selfish people who want to focus on our circumstances. But what's truly magnificent and what's truly different and what truly would make it so it would be like this aroma that, you know, with an aroma, you smell it when you hit the door. You smell what's going on as soon as you get there. It's undeniable what's happening. What's undeniable to a watching world who doesn't understand the gospel is when you respond rightly in a situation where others usually respond poorly. When you're able to clothe yourself in humility, when you're able to respond with God's wisdom, rather than the wisdom of the world. And when you're able to do that in a way that they say, why can you not hate that person who hates you? Or why don't you do to them what they've done to you? When you live that life, it's just marked and different. And so that aroma sense is just something that's supposed to be undeniable when you walk into that situation. And, you know, that's how I've seen that play out in my life and in people around me. And I do believe it is such a testimony to the truth of the gospel impacting somebody's heart and being an overflow into every area of their life when they're able to do that and constantly put God on display. And so as you walk through this passage today, as you walk through that, you might have some questions about some of the other things. Hey, you know, we really didn't focus on, hey, who's this person that's being asked to be forgiven here in this middle section? Maybe that's something that you look into. Maybe it's something else. But whatever it is you're doing, we pray that you're walking in community with believers, that you're studying God's word together with them, that you're challenging one another, that you're supporting one another, and that you're collectively living the gospel together for God and his his glory. Know today you were loved. You're-